2: Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile Essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary.
3: It's my show. Hey. Put a little I never get this line out the first time. It's not even good. Hey, put a little put a little bit more in there, cowboy. And the bulldog. What's your degree in? Kicking ass and taking names! <laughs> On WGR
1: Sports Radio 550.
3: Welcome back. I'm always excited to hear we have Greg Wyszynski lined up for a show, and especially on this day, Greg, I feel like your uh, time should cost extra today, deadline day and all, so uh, thank you very much.
4: you kidding me? I just woke up from a nap, I mean, and it was uh, not the most scintillating day. I mean, it's funny. I, uh, the Arguably, the biggest thing that happened today was something that didn't happen, which was the... James Van Riemsdyk trade from the Flyers to the Detroit Red Wings that happened and then didn't happen for various and sundry reasons. But it it was the strangest deadline I can remember covering because all the business got done over the last few weeks. Um, It's much more of an NBA-style trade deadline Mm -hmm. than an NHL-style trade deadline. I'm I'm curious to see if this is a a paradigm shift to this is how it's going to always be or if it's a one-year anomaly.
3: Do you have a theory as to why?
4: I do have a couple of theories. I mean, one is is um, the cap might have played a, a bit of, of a role into it. You know, you want to get your financial house in order early, so you're not trying to scramble and and make uh, trades up against the deadline. And I and I think part of that is a phenomenon that we saw a lot this year, which is the third party broker team. You know, trading a, a draft pick to a team, so they pick up a portion of a player's salary we saw that with the ryan o'reilly trade we saw that with a bunch of moves and so i think one of the things that happened is that you want to make sure that if you know you need to have one of those teams be a broker that they're available to be one right right so like the closer you get to the trade deadline the more of those uh salary retention spots will be used uh and and all of a sudden maybe you're trading a third round pick instead of a fourth round pick to try to find someone to facilitate a trade for you so I think that might have been part of it, too, is that with the cap so tight, they needed to find these broker teams and they needed to get that business done early to make sure that they could still find them.
3: I threw this out yesterday as a possibility, but I think this is something I could look up and figure out. Are teams more willing to trade picks at least outside of the first round or maybe even outside of the top half of the first round? It feels like for years we have these... These charts that make the rounds, you know, around the deadline, which is like actually your chances of your second-round pick even that high being a NHL player, like a above-replacement level, are so small. I don't know. Like, has the data maybe helped? Because they're, these picks have been flying around these the last few days.
4: Yeah, and I, my friend Chris Peters uh, said that the Eastern Conference treated so many future draft picks into like. 25 and 26, he's worried that the general managers might be privy to news that a meteor is going to hit the earth <laughs> at some point in the next few years. <laughs> like, we don't often see this, you're right. But, uh, but I do, I, I think you're right. I think that as you know, data has gotten bigger, as, as we've gotten a, a, a large sample size of, of who develops into an NHL player, depending on where they're drafted. I think there was a certain amount of protection for for picks in this draft, as much as they could protect them, because it is a pretty deep and talented draft. But uh, there's a real sense of going for it, I think, for a lot of these teams and striking while the iron is hot. And you know, I think in some cases it's, it's it's localized. Like if you're the Boston Bruins, you don't care at all about the future years for this franchise outside of getting making sure that David Pasternak was going to be a part of them. You're trying to win a cup in the, in the Patrice Bergeron window. And, you know, if you're the Toronto Maple Leafs, for example, and you're Kyle Dubas and you don't have a contract next season, well, hell, why not throw a <laughs> bunch of picks at places to get 17 different defensemen and Ryan O'Reilly? So, I, I, you know, it, it, it's all contextual at the end of the day, but I do think that there is a certain, um, you know, uh, live for today type mindset that's crept into the, the planning for some of these teams.
3: Makes it fun. Sabres GM Kevin Adams speaking earlier today called it an arms race. And he said, I I am thrilled to death was his line about watching all these other teams around him do what they've been doing uh, along these same lines. Greg, when we chatted last time, Bulldog and I asked you about the Sabres at the deadline, you know, making some kind of a, a move. And I remember what you said. We even referred to it, you know, back to it many times after, which is like, yeah, no, like there's no real urgency here for them. And they, uh, they operated accordingly, right? Like, whatever, whatever particular opinion you have of Jordan Greenway notwithstanding, like, you know, there was all this other action, and the Sabres seemed, I guess, content to watch it go by.
4: Yeah, but that's the kind of move that they should make. We might have talked about that when, when we discussed their plans for the deadline. Like, buy low on a guy that, um, you know, has a couple more years on his contract beyond this one at $3 million which you know might actually look like an overpayment if he doesn't develop anything beyond being a defensive uh, depth swinger. Uh but you know he's someone that could become a better player playmaker than he is. He's someone that definitely brings physicality to his game. Like he's he's a worthy investment for where the Sabres are in their development curve as a as a contender. And and I'll say this, I mean it reminds me a bit of the move that the Carolina Hurricanes made and acquiring Jesse Poliarvi from the Edmonton Oilers. Both of these guys are big, huge, physical wingers. They haven't found their games in their respective places, Edmonton and Minnesota. And in both cases, the teams are kind of taking a flyer on them to see if they do develop into something. And I don't think it's any um, coincidence that you have a, a really smart front office person in San Ventura with the Buffalo Sabres, and you have a data-driven front office with the Carolina Hurricanes, both making the same kind of move. So – I like it. Uh, the only thing I would have done if I was a Sabres, and, and I don't know, they might not have the assets or may, may not want to give up their their first-round pick this season to make it happen, but the Jacob Trickern thing was interesting. I mean, the, where he ended up with Ottawa, he didn't go to a contender. He ended up going to a, a team that's kind of on the upswing, much like the Sabres are. Would have been interesting to see them add him to their collection, but maybe the price was just not what they wanted to
3: do. Greg Wachinski of ESPN on the West Her Hotline: goaltending will be interesting. Greg, I mean, I have I have sympathy for the Sabers in this area because t- I, I think they've gotten a lot of stuff right. I have the same sort of respect you're speaking with when it comes to their front office and their process right now. And man, goaltending it just seems so random. Like <laughs> Adams himself has used the line, "You." Don't really know if you're getting what you think you're getting when it comes to goalies. So here, like everything, almost everything is kind of lined up really nicely for them. They have the right guys under contract for years to come. This is not often the case with the Sabers. You know, we're usually in a world where we're worried about their best players leaving. So you know that that doesn't seem like a sweat right now. And you know it's trending up. But in goal, I don't know. Like for for the first, as little as this is to say for most teams, for the first time in a while this upcoming offseason will be about contending for them, and I don't know if they have the guy.
4: Man, the lingering psychological damage of the Chris Drury and Danny Briere situation. <laughs> you know, we're talking we're, 2023. <laughs> we, we're in a completely different era. Okay, um, okay. No, no, no. I, I think, I, you know, it's interesting you should say that. I, I think you're right. Like, like They have something cooking in the gold department. They are, and obviously have, you know, prospect, uh, prospect two beyond that. Um, so, you know, maybe they'll be okay. I, I will say it's going to be an interesting off season for prominent goaltenders. Um, the, the The Vancouver Canucks didn't make a move today of of any uh, consequence. They didn't trade Brock Besser. They didn't trade um, uh, JT Miller. Um, there's a lot of speculation that their goalie Thatcher Demko could become available this off season, and and you combine that with the speculation that. Well, if the National Predators are, are now going to be uh, a Barry Trotz team, he's going to be the new GM, and they're trading a bunch of people, like could UC Soros become available in this offseason uh, for someone looking to trade for a potential franchise goaltender? So if, if the Sabres are happy with it, what they got and what's on the way, that, I mean, great. I mean, it, it solves a problem for this team. If they're not, there might be some pretty high-profile options that could become available this, this off season.
3: Good. Yeah, I mean, I, I guess – Take, take your shots if you want. Um, th- this into- almost most of Sabres history has been crossed with their very best guys eventually wanting out. I mean, LaFontaine and Pekka and Hasek and Eichel event- eventually, and of course, quintessentially, Drury and Briere. This team has not recovered. This, this franchise has not recovered from that, and that is 2007. So, um, it like Adams was talking today, Greg, about almost he sounded emotional. He's, he's got, I got guys and he's believable. I got guys who want to be here. You know, he's got faith in, in everything that's happening around him, the staff and Granado, and I'm buying it. You know, I feel like this is a, this is a different moment in their history.
4: Yeah. And like you said, the real key is is finding that core group of players that is going to commit to this franchise and, and being with this team for, for quite a while. and And he's found a few. I mean, yeah. You know, Tuck being one of them. Obviously, Tage signing that contract puts him in place for a long time. Same thing with Cousins. Same thing with Darlene. Like they, they're they're building out a core that's going to be there and and that wants to be there. And 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 that's half the battle. Is when you're a franchise that, like you said, is synonymous with instability. Um, although usually it's like the coach <laughs> that's, <laughs> that's that's the instability versus the players. Um, you have to establish that bedrock of stability to attract free agents to have other players that are on the roster want to stick around and see what's being built and and that's half the battle and and you have to give the sabers credit for having having won that battle so far with with a number of their key players
3: Greg uh, who had a, a really good move or two here at this deadline around the league like who who won the deadline
4: Well the stupid bruins got better <laughs> boy you know they are here you're a, a, you, you've gotten to 100 points faster than any team in NHL history. You're a steamroller, and, and you're like, nah what we need to do is add spikes to the steamroller. Right? Like, <laughs> like Dmitry Orlov is, is is a really solid defenseman. He's, he's all of a sudden scoring at a, an incredible clip now that he's playing in that Jim Montgomery system that lets their defensemen run, run wild. Garnet Hathaway is a really good bottom six forward that a lot of teams wanted. And then they go out and get Tyler Bertuzzi at a moment in which it looks like Taylor Hall might be on the shelf for them for a little bit. So the, the, the richest team in this league has just got richer. And, and it's kind of amazing, like you said, like, like Adams talked about it being an arms race in the East. It's kind of amazing how many teams have pushed their chips in in a season where you have a juggernaut like the Bruins. Um, yeah. Maybe we're all thinking back to that Lightning team that got upset in the first round by the Blue Jackets and saying that the regular season doesn't portend anything for the postseason. But this Bruins team is as good as we've seen. And yet, you still have the Leafs and the Lightning and the Rangers and, and everybody else kind of like ratcheting up their their teams to try to challenge them. It's it's kind of a, a fascinating thing to
3: watch, to be honest right. with you. Even Jersey, you know, like, uh, yeah, good point. I like that meteor line. Yeah, but- I,
4: I, I... Yeah, the Jersey the Jersey thing though is that is a more long term play. Like the Rangers are renting Patrick Kane to try to beat the Bruins. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if that's the smartest decision, but mm-hmm. I mean they didn't really have to give up much for him. Meyer is is somebody that they want to stick around. He's he's a perfect player for that, that lineup. He scores goals, he's physical, he's he's a big body they don't have. What they have to do what they have to do, and I say this as a native of the great state of New Jersey, <laughs> is is something very difficult, which is to convince a man who has lived in the bay area for the last several years that new jersey is the place he wants to be beyond <laughs> beyond next season so that's the challenge that lies ahead for uh for tommy fitzgerald and the uh and the devils
3: who better than to consult on this than you i mean you know from both yeah. so uh yeah we've got I-
4: beaches i mean don't 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 judge new jersey based on what you see when you're driving through on the on the turnpike man we've got beaches I think we have
3: tomatoes, too. That's good stuff. <laughs> I, I don't think of Jersey that way, partly because my daughter, so my wife's cousin lives there in Tom's River. And we went to a big yeah. wedding there. It was all swanky and everything. And whenever I asked my daughter where she wants to go next, it's always New Jersey, thinking she's going to relive that experience. You know, it could be anywhere, but that's where it was. So that she wants to go to Jersey. Well, I love there the I I love the meteor line too. Like I play a lot of fantasy, and maybe a lot of these guys are acting in that context. Like they know the league is folding in two years. Uh, so, <laughs>
4: <laughs> well, and 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 hey, you know, again, like that's exciting. I mean, yep. I always hearken back to one team at the trade deadline, which is the Los Angeles Kings from the last decade, and they were a team that knew exactly when they needed to start trading away their top prospects for guys like Jeff Carter and Mike Richards because they were convinced that they were close and they won two Stanley Cups for it. So we got a lot of cowards in this league, man. we got a lot of teams that, 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 that fall so in love with their own prospects and so in love with their own draft picks that, that, that they don't make the big move when it's necessary. And so I appreciate the boldness that we've seen from a lot of teams at this deadline to really kind of go for it, even though you have, you know, the Boston Bruins and the Colorado Avalanches, <laughs> these two teams that are going to be really hard to beat in the playoffs.
3: Even without even without the Bruins, it's still different and maybe a little bit weird. Uh, but especially, yeah, good stuff. Greg, always enjoy our conversations. Thanks a lot again uh, for joining us on deadline day.
4: Anytime, thanks for having me. All right,
3: Greg Washinsky of ESPN. Anybody else have a theory? Meteors. It's cool though. I mean, the the math on the draft picks, the math on the draft is real. It's really top heavy in the NHL. And no need to point out which, you know, who, who do you want, Henrik Zetterberg or somebody drafted late that had a great career, the Tom Brady's of hockey, if you will. Like they, that's right. And here's rooting for them. But this is how you want it from a from a fan standpoint. The, the Sabers always seem to have a kind of a minor deadline, but league wide, you know, you want to have, you want to have action. And for whatever reason, it's good to see that a lot of these teams got there. And I think you know, Zig when they're zagging, the Sabers not doing that and spending up to in a in a tough market, I guess, because of everything else that's happening around them, to get a guy for the short term. I mean, it's just a, it's a good thing, in my opinion, that they didn't do that. Could they have done more? What is the goaltending plan down the road? If we need to know yet, this season it's just been. They deserve a break when it comes to goalies. I mean, they've had prospects and veterans, and Comrie I thought was a smart move, and other ones in other years. But man, it's it's holding them back a little bit with all the goals they scored, Not so much uh, last two games. Eight hundred three oh five fifty for your calls. Any opinion of Jordan Greenway? I know what I'm hearing. I know what I see on this on the page. Six six, the buy low player, as Greg described him. Or a thought on maybe what Kevin Adams had to say about this deadline. You know, he I'm I'm with him. This sort of real it's it's strange for a team that isn't even in a playoff spot yet, but real I feel really good about them. Um maybe you do, maybe you don't. Lines are open for your calls. I'll bring Paul back in next hour. Marty Baron before we're done for his reaction on today. Mike show here, 803-0550. Lines are open now. This is WGR.
4: Well, what I noticed wasn't that we were getting pushed around, but that...
3: This episode is brought
2: to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget.
1: LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com recommend today.
4: Teams were certainly trying to bully us. I uh, don't think there's any way around it. When you watch our games... A number of the teams, especially going after our top players and just game after game targeting them, you know, it was clear. Now I think what our guys did was fantastic in terms of standing up for themselves for each other, competing, not backing down, not giving up, you know, one inch. I I didn't see that at all, which is a great sign.
3: Kevin Adams, earlier today, the Sabres make a move that I think makes a lot of sense in a few different ways. Jordan Greenway of Minnesota, forward, six foot six, not a big scorer. Um, defense, defense first. Why, why does it make sense? The size point. You're hearing Adams right there discuss how he feels the Sabers need this type of player, maybe more than one version of this type of player. They did acquire Riley Stillman earlier in the week, who's big himself on uh, on the blue line. So that the fact that they didn't give up. Any of their prize pieces, you know, on this roster, not that that ever would have happened, or the, on on the Amerks, just draft picks. They they kept all their assets with an eye on the future. Um, this player Greenway has a little bit of a contract, two years upcoming at three million each. I don't think that is likely to pose any sort of a problem. They have lots of room, and so um, yes, they're committed. But I think overall that's a positive in this in this trade and so they didn't give up something important they got a player whose style fits what they need yeah like there's other things too i guess but this i think feel like um it's a good idea so that's it though i mean there's a trade of defensemen on the minor league level and they gave Rasmus Asplund to uh to Nashville i feel like he was a player now that he's an ex-saber Who it could have been really interesting for them, but it just did not. He didn't get there. Like with this coaching staff, that didn't happen. So uh, there, there he goes. Interesting to think about Granado, isn't it? Like, I don't know. Hockey coaches are in and out all the time. We've certainly post Lindy Ruff, (laughs) the Sabers, who were for so long this rare example of stability in this league, or even in pro sports. Remember the graphics about longest-tenured coaches and, like, Lindy just was going on for years, still having success in Jersey now himself. But all, all the changes. And when when Granado came in, we were all ready for someone else after Ralph Kruger, Like, that was a just a, a – that, that needed to be – that needed to, to happen. You know, every day we're wondering when that was going to happen. And finally, that pressure is relieved and Granado goes in, but what usually happens to the first guy who replaces a coach on a team that's just been losing constantly? You know, you you pick him for his, you know, his style, um, his background. You know, a developmental type coach. Not to, I'm not trying to demean when I say that, but his work with with junior players like that was, it was somebody. Obviously, he was picked for those certain reasons, and. I would just think, and I'm sure I said it then, like, that's good, it makes sense. Good luck to him. Hopefully he's what they want. But when the Sabres get good, they'll have someone else, right? Like eventually this team will mature into one where you are you want to go get a a guy. Like like it was Boudreaux before. Uh maybe it's it still can be, but somebody like that, somebody that's been in the playoffs or a Barry Trotz or one of these more grizzled coaches that, you know, maybe they have a Stanley Cup. They've certainly been in the playoffs a lot. Somebody like that. I don't know. I mean, I'm I'm optimistic like I think most people are about them and Granado is a big part of that. And the the Greenway move when we learned that Granado had him at the under 18 level with Thompson and you've seen how that's turned out, Granado gets a lot of the credit for Thompson. And Kevin Adams going on about how Granado pounded his fist for Greenway. I can work with this guy. I can make him better. He he got that kind of respect from the organization. And so he's going to get that chance. He just he has a lot of power over there. And maybe it'll go bad if this happens. Like it'll it'll plateau or the Sabres will stumble. And then maybe whenever that is, we'll end up having to talk about the coach, and a change there. But I don't know. Like Now I can kind of see him rising with them or or taking them farther, you know, if uh, if they're able to make another step next year. It's just like, I think of Chicago for this, and there are probably other examples. Pittsburgh, maybe, when it was Crosby. Like, you've got a coach in there who's kind of there until you're, if you will, ready to win. And when you're ready to win, you, you know, you see that team... Those teams often, anyway, make that move. New Jersey, this is different, but New Jersey, a couple of times under Lamorello, changing coaches like in March, even though they had a good team, just to, you know, a different voice, spark, whatever you want to call it. Um, that's not this, but, I mean, granado has been a really uh, impressive guy. And maybe as this team gets older, it's still so very young, and gets good, like, like actually good, Better than just fringe of the playoffs. Wonder how long he can he can make it work uh, here and with them. Paul Hamilton will join me again at five. We'll talk about some of Adam's comments. I thought it was you know pretty interesting. Adams even like almost sounded choked up uh, a couple times talking about the group he's got and just like um, I've always found him really believable, especially for the job he's in, where. Coaches and GMs are so careful and often not even necessarily honest about things. But Adams, I think, has a tough time not being that. He seems genuine, and I uh, sort of feel what he's feeling a little bit from the outside about the group he's got. So we'll talk to Paul about that and the move or moves today. Interesting from Greg Wyshynski on maybe what's going on around the league. He referred to it more as an NBA deadline with – All the draft picks being traded and teams really going for it this year. We're not used to seeing that so much in the NHL. I'll also talk to Marty Baron later today and get his thoughts about uh, deadline day. We'd love to hear from you, 803-0550 to call in. Maybe I will. Uh, Maybe I'll get into a couple of other things going on in a minute after the break, talking about a big NFL story, the Combine, and one or two other things. Uh, Could be a chance to do that, so... That could be ahead here. Thanks for listening on this Friday. This is Mike Shope on WGR. Welcome back. It's been a fun week for uh, for a week without Bulldog. I mean, it's been fun. That's 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 uh, why it stands out. Usually, when he's not here, you know, there's, there's a certain uh, melancholy. He's missed. He's missed, but gotten through it. And there's been a lot of uh, good topics with the deadline happening. Like, we didn't really, at least not yet, dive into a lot of these moves. I like today that uh, two brothers were traded for each other. Apparently that's the first time that that's that's, that's ever happened. Richie is the last name. Calgary and Arizona in a four-player trade. Brothers for each other uh, today. Sabres did fine. I've been saying that a lot. I think if I hated it, maybe it would get more reaction, but I don't. <laughs> it's just not true. Like, who who was it they were supposed to get? Greg Wachinski left room for Jacob Chikrin in that, but I, it wasn't uh, so important to me. Um, you know, defensively, they only did pick up Riley Stillman, and maybe there could have been one more move, um, I guess, but... That was still a pretty good price for Chikrin. And Adams today said that Arizona wanted more from him than they ended up getting from Ottawa. Uh, just not a guy who I think is impactful enough to get upset about. So there's been a lot of hockey, plus with the NFL, we don't have any big signing yet, like a Derek Carr, or what happens with Rodgers. That would have to be a trade or a release, I guess, but that seems unlikely. So nothing like that this week which, among other things, means that our fancy QB carousel draft from, I guess, two Fridays ago, still uh, everybody's still at zero. Uh, no team has has uh, made their move yet when it comes to Carr or Rodgers or Garoppolo, I guess. Is, is Garoppolo even available yet? I think he will be, but I'm not sure he's available yet. So nothing official yet on that. We did, it was it was five of us. Bulldog, myself, Sal, Zach, and Sneaky Joe. Twenty teams got picked. We each picked four teams, uh, for like who will have a new quarterback start of the season. And the Giants were not chosen. I mean, teams that were chosen where it seems like a pretty good long shot. Not that there are really that many of those, but Minnesota is on it was picked. Bulldog picked Minnesota for a new guy. Um that seems unlikely, but it was the fourth round. Anyway, the Giants, no, nobody picked the Giants. Why? Because it sounded like Daniel Jones. Then after we did this draft for a day or two, I guess last week, it sounded like maybe he was pricing himself out. And this is just going by some media stuff, so I don't know how true it is necessarily. But that's kind of what the read was for a minute there. Like, maybe it won't be Daniel Jones. We had a, a guest who talked about Lamar Jackson for the giants. And I think it might've been Brett Coleman who said they're going to have one of them. So like, wow, just the possibility that it wouldn't end up being Jones there after everybody kind of sounded like it would. Well, now we're back to that. Now we're back to, he is going to get paid. And the last couple of days, the reporting on this has put him in and around Patrick Mahomes contract, 40 million plus. It was said that that's what Jones wanted and today, there's a report that he might get it. That the Giants are ready to do this. And that might be done early next week. I don't know. He improved. Okay, they made the playoffs. It's a they're in a jam because I just think probably paying him like that limits their ceiling, limits their potential as a team. What do you do instead? I mean, you swallow hard and maybe you get after one of these other guys, like we've been talking about. Even perhaps Lamar Jackson, if it's realistic, to acquire him. But I mean, Jones, fantasy wise, he was fine. He, he runs. So you like that in fantasy football, but I don't know. I don't think there's a really good quarterback there. Um, but it's interesting that that's where they're headed. I think it's the easy move. Maybe not paying them forty million bucks a year, but I think it's the easy move is to keep them and and point to your success that you just had and you know try to feel good about that. But it's interesting to me that that Dayball would want to do that. I'm, I'm assuming he does. And Joe Shane like. It would almost be as if the Bills, after making the playoffs with Tyrod Taylor, went and gave $30 million a year to Tyrod Taylor. Oh, well, this went better than we thought. Because I thought, actually, it was Tyrod there as his backup. I thought Jones there was kind of, let's just get through this year. I mean, they didn't do the... the, Was it the fifth-year option? Is that right? They didn't do that with Jones? They did not
2: do the fifth-year option. They did
3: not. So now they're going to end up paying him more than than that would be, it seems. Um, Yeah, it just felt like... it it would be if the Bills committed to Taylor because they broke the drought. I mean, Jones, to me, is like on that level. So, um, you know, good luck to them. <laughs> I think the Giants have been easy to ridicule for a long time. This year, Dable went in there and straightened it out, and they they were pretty good. Not great. They they got in and they beat another team, an inflated Vikings team, and um, made the second round. So that's a really good result for them. But I would not want to pay. Daniel Jones, franchise quarterback money, and it sounds like they're going to. So I guess good for us for not picking the Giants at this point. They'll likely have the same guy they had. Also, Joe will owe me 20 bucks. Joe even, on this board, I don't see Joe anymore, but he did this. This year we had a bet. Who starts week one for them next year? I picked Jones for some reason, some some weak moment, and he picked Taylor that they would transition to Tyrod Taylor and play this year with him he thought twenty bucks and at some point this year when Jones had a bad game, Joe goes over there and writes a little like arrow up uh, symbol next to Tyrod's name like okay I should I should be scared you might as well just pay me now Joe you might as well because that one looks like it's pretty much over Paul coming up next to talk about the Sabres moves today and the comments from Kevin Adams. Marty Baron is well still to come. This is Mike Shope on WGR. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G
1: network, from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT and T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. It's